0: hearty broth of welcomes to all our listener on tonight's episode of... Tonight. And tonight, we couldn't be more epileptic, more didactic, and dare I say, pugilistic in welcoming the gigantic, enormous, yet fabulously trim balloon of a man in the entertainment industry. He has conquered the small screen, the large screen, a few medium-sized screens at a Best Buy in Encino, and has even taken the stage by storm.
1: Even with productions he wasn't in. (laughs) Ha ha. It took them four security guards to carry me away. One for each arm. Uh, Love them all. Love them all.
0: And so, we share this moment with you, our dear listener, our single, pathetic listener, curled up in the corner, weeping for comfort, slobbering on a t-shirt that used to be white. What is that moment? Well, it is a deeply intimate, highly personal, and dare I say, somewhat sweat-stained interview with a man who needs no introduction. Well, maybe you should introduce me, since
1: they can't see my face.
0: Or any other part of you, unfortunately. Yes, so I will break the mystery and unwrap for you, listener, tonight's miraculously well-chiseled and secretly oiled guest, Mr... Sorry, what was it again? Hugh Jackter. Mr. Hugh Jackter. Mr. Jackter, can I call you
1: Hugh? I'd rather you didn't.
0: Okay, then. Uh, you, you have been in over 6,000 films just this year alone, all of them about comic book heroes, is that right? Yes, that's right. And now, we will see you in perhaps your greatest role, a golden-brown, glazed, cinnamon-flavored role in which you play a
1: superhero. Bit of a stretch, was it? Uh, Not at all. Superhero roles come naturally for me. As a small woodchuck in Indiana, I frequently found myself grazing for truffles, lifting small vehicles, and casually mixing this brown powdery stuff into my milk. It would turn the entire glass brown. Not just half or three quarters, the entire glass. Fascinating. Before any of us soils his trousers, can you tell us about your latest film? We filmed this one entirely on a specially built soundstage. Hundreds, maybe thousands of extras all over the place. The crew built a set that looked like a real city. Tall buildings, roads, cars, monuments. And the extras were so committed to their roles, really impressive how professional they were. Some of them in suits with cell phones acting like they were closing big important business deals. Delivery guys on bikes. People acting like they were selling flowers or snacks or whatever from little carts on the street. Someone even tried to sell me a watch. Hmm. It was all so realistic that the crew came up with a name for it. London. Can you imagine? I know it's a ridiculous name, but you know what? It worked. I really got into character and pretended that there was this city called London and that people lived and worked there.
0: Fascinating! Every single word that comes out of your face is simply... (sighs) Fascinating. Is there
1: any way I could possibly peel away even the tiniest morsel of your wondernificence? Highly doubtful. But I will say the extras there, again, so professional, so disciplined, in spite of the absolutely meaningless role they play in the film, even came up with their own accent. Can you believe it? They must have had about a million meetings amongst themselves to devise this entirely new, bizarre way of speaking. Let me see if I can do it. <coughs> Hello Gavna. That's about as much as I can do. Really just impressive work from all the people who don't count. And did you form any friendships with these people? Oh lord, no. The, the shooting schedule was brutal. Brew tull. we would start early in the morning, probably 10 10:30 and we then we wouldn't even take a break for lunch until 12. Backbreaking. Can you tell us a bit about the character you play? Well, it's all very hush hush. But yes, I play a superhero who has magical powers. He's a bit overweight, smokes cigars, always wears these really flashy suits, you know, the kind with the collars around the neck and the ties. And there's this kind of conflict between a fictional empire called Ingland, if you can imagine something that absurd, and a tribe of middle-earth troll people known as mans. Things get a bit unpleasant for a while, but the good guys win in the end. My character walks around saying these silly things like, We shall never surrender. Can't wait for the bucket of popcorn and
0: Twizzlers and a big cushy seat in the dark room with strangers. Uh, What's next on the horizon? The
1: distant ship pulling into the harbor from the other side of the sea. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going to take this next role they offered me. It's a little out there. How far out there? It's set in old timey times, way before the internet or anything. There's this young guy who goes around to people's houses, and if they're sick or sad or whatever, he helps them to feel better. So he's a doctor? You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. But, yeah, I guess he's kind of a doctor. But then there are all these people who keep telling him to knock it off, like the governor and this high priest guy. After a while, they threaten to do something really mean to the guy. But then there are these 12 other guys who think he's really cool, and they follow him around. So even though the mean guys tell him to stop, he keeps talking to people and they tell them that everything is going to be okay and everything. He, he's almost like a saint. Amazing.
0: Speaking to you, I now understand the true value of rubber undergarments. Just before we end this delightful exchange of word sounds, I wonder if I might get you to sign my cast. You don't have a cast, and if you wouldn't mind, if it's not too much trouble, could you please break one of my limbs so that I could have the honor of your signature on my cast? Trust me, the honor is all yours.
1: Is this one okay?
0: Uh, actually, that's the hand I write with, but I suppose. <sharp inhale>
1: ah! Ow! An exquisite mixture
0: of pain and agony, razor-sharp radiating misery all the way through my brachium masterful work by an artist who transcends all time and space. Really, it's a very clean break to the humorous, and my arm is now dangling limply, perhaps with Permanent nerve damage. <laughs> but only time will tell. And speaking of time, I'm afraid we're out of
1: it. I can do the other one, too, if that's any help.
0: No, no, I I just need the one cast with enough room for you to sign. Sure. Sure. Oh, Come here. Stop, stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho.
0: there you go, you little dickens. You got the other one as well. No push-ups tonight, I'm afraid.
1: I could probably get one of the legs, too. No,
0: no, honestly, I, I think we've accomplished what we came to.
1: Yeah. And now, the Greater Utica Gardening Society and Weasel Grooming Club present Sketch Tragedy.
0: Oh, Romeo. Romeo?
1: Wait, are are you Romeo? Why are you dressed like a girl? I can dress however I like. I'm not judging you, just asking. Because the little flowers in the collar are darling. I need to get some for myself.
0: Um i try the TJ Maxx in Albania. The one next to the dumpster fire? Uh, no, that's uh, a Macy's. The TJ Maxx is next to the Solid Waste Treatment Center in Cinema Brew House. Better hurry, that place is always packed. Thanks very much. Oh, before I go, should we both take poison? Uh,
1: sure. I think I have a vial of... Actually, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, pretty sure it's deadly, though. Let's give it a go and see what happens. If not, I have some fabric softener. That could be tragic. Yeah, deal. <coughs> you feel anything? I'm conflicted about my relationship with my mother. Other than that, just an overwhelming sense of inadequacy. My god, that is tragic. This has been the first and last attempt at sketch tragedy. Join us next time for stand-up chemistry. Many of you are familiar with the laws of Hammurabi. Everyone knows an eye for an eye. But not many people know the other laws. Even fewer know the by-laws and suggestions. For example, did you know this one?
0: If a man steals another man's crops, he must eat them in a single sitting within a four-hour period. No potty breaks. If he fails, his crops shall be beaten. And how about this one? And if a man should forget his tunic whilst in the public square, he shall be mocked. Yea, even by the
1: tiniest children. And then there's this little ditty, scrawled onto a cave wall just outside the Hard Rock Cafe in Baghdad.
0: If a man shall have the freak like fate to extend his tongue, yea, to the very insides of his nostrils, he shall be heartily congratulated, yea, even by the tiniest children sure and if a man should extend his tongue to the nostrils of another
1: he shall be beaten with yaks but then there are the less formal guidelines of hammurabi for example this old chestnut found on a series of cuneiform tablets in the ancient city of
0: someone get me a pomegranate seriously
1: i'm kind of hungry Then there's this nearly forgotten oldie, but a goodie.
0: If a man shall eat his neighbor's grass, he shall legally become the other man's cow, and he shall be obliged
1: to give milk. The historic record is unclear about how often that one was enforced. The final unknown law of Hammurabi has been painstakingly reconstructed from thousands of cuneiform tablets, and it goes a little something like this. Hit it, maestro! Oh, Drainage Ditch, you make me rich by siphoning off water. You
0: irrigate my family, I purchased you so legally.
1: Oh, Drainage Ditch, oh, Drainage Ditch,
0: you carried off my daughter.
1: The lesser-known laws, regulations, and greatest hits of Hammurabi are available on iTunes today for only $16.99. I can't believe you're still listening.
0: And now you're still listening. Stop. Stop.